feel a little bit like the Apostle Paul. Do you remember the account where uh, he says, uh, he asked the Lord three times that an infirmity of the flesh would go. And uh, God's answer back was, my grace is sufficient for thee. I caught a little bit of a cold uh, a few days ago. And I've been asking God to take it away. And he says back, uh, Fred, my grace is sufficient for you. You lean more on me when your flesh is weak. And it's true. I've been praying a lot more. And uh, isn't that what it's all about? Uh, is what brings us into an attitude of prayer more? That we can see God move. So before we begin, I just want to make a few opening remarks and then we're going to have a word of prayer. Just come on in and have a seat uh, as soon as you can. We're going to have a prayer in a moment here. It's my prayer this morning that I could step aside and that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher. He's been teaching me a lot of things over the years. He's been teaching you a lot of things. And this morning's lesson is not purely a lecture from me, uh, that the Lord would speak through me, but uh, there are times when the Holy Spirit's going to prompt me to ask a question. And uh, I want you to listen to his voice and to respond as he prompts you with uh, different things. We have different needs in our churches. We're hungry for God to touch our lives. And prayer is a key to that. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Our Father and our God, we come before you this morning hungry for your touch this morning, hungry to learn about prayer. Your disciples came to you, Lord Jesus, and said, teach us to pray. And that's our prayer this morning, Father, that you would teach us to pray. Teach us to pray more often, to pray more passionately. We want to be more of a praying people, and we fail so often. Father, and we confess to you this morning that there's many areas of our life where we fail, we recognize the times that we live in crowd out prayer. We have such a busy lifestyle. And we pray that we could take more time out to spend time with you, our Father. To pray in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus. Because we know you've given us many promises. That if two agree and pray and ask it of you, that you will do it. That the Father might be glorified in the Son. And we're thankful, Father, for promises like that. And we ask that you teach us from your word. Teach us through each other this morning. And most of all, may your Holy Spirit be our teacher to teach us to become more of a praying church. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. As I prayed about this topic, God gave me a couple key thoughts that I want to share with each of you. All of us, I believe, have sensed this at times. We want to become a stronger, healthier body of believers. We want a stronger prayer life. We want a stronger relationship with God. And at times we've had it. At times we feel close to God. And what it is that about our time that it seems like, then again, the enemy 
attacks and, and pulls us away from the kind of intimacy and deepness of our, our walk with God in our prayer life. So we want to learn to rekindle that passion in our prayers, in our personal lives, and experience a greater joy. How many of us want a greater joy consistently in your life? Raise your hand. I don't think anybody would want to leave their hand down, that they don't want joy in their life. What is joy? Like, we know that there's a scripture that teaches where joy comes from. Joy is not the world's happiness. Can anybody think of a, a scripture in Galatians that talks about joy? Fruits of the Spirit. Okay, Galatians 5, talks about the fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. So the power of the Holy Spirit in His fruits in our life brings that joy. Where does the Holy Spirit come from? A communion with God. When we enter into fellowship with Him in prayer, we start talking to Him, and He starts ministering to us. And that's our desire, to see answered prayer. And one of the most powerful things that we're going to see in our lives to spur us on to prayer is answered prayer. It's fueling more prayer. And the Lord inspired me to share as an opening answered prayer that many of you perhaps were witness to last year. How many of you were at the forum building strong spiritual relationships and friendships that we had here in Martin Chapel? Raise your hand. Some of you were here. I shared an experience with all of you that were here of a brother back home who we had been praying for his two boys. Here's a brother who had lost his wife. And I asked if I could have permission to share the testimony of answer prayer for him. And things looked pretty bleak about a year ago. His boys were not saved. He had lost his wife five or six years earlier. And the Spirit had touched my heart to speak with him, to begin talking with him and sharing with him and praying with him. And we began to see his hurt and the pain in his life. He had lost his sweetheart. And now his boys were lost in sin. And his health was being challenged. And he's been crying out to God and wondering, God, where are you? What about my boys? And the Spirit impressed on me that we have to keep praying. We have to persist with God, lifting up these names of salvation to him. And we've been praying for Ben and for Jeff. And I'm here to testify today that the power of God touched Ben Bauman. And last year at camp, we'd pray for him in the prayer meetings, often, morning prayer meetings, 615 prayer meetings. Other people back home were praying. And all of these prayers touched the Father's heart. Ben gave his life to the Lord at camp, made a decision. But the question is, will a decision go through with follow-through? Will he become converted? And we continued to pray for Ben And the amazing thing happened. There was a battle, but the peace of God came to Ben, and he was born again. 
And he was announced about two, three weeks ago in our church back in Kitchener as having peace with God. A life that was torn by sin. Many aspects of his life were damaged by sin. And yet now he's set free from sin, from the bondage of sin. All of us will still have a battle at times with the enemy. And if we say we have no sin, the truth isn't in us, the scripture teaches us, but we know that God has redeemed this young man. But the, the other miracle is his brother Jeff, who God also touched outside of our church. Here's a man that needed professional help. So deep in sin that drugs and alcohol got a hold of his life. And God arranged it that he would go to a place in London, Ontario, and that God's people that were there would work with him and help him to dry out. And the power of God touched Jeff as well. And now Jeff wants to serve the Lord. Both of Frank's boys in one year have seen the power of answered prayer in Frank as well. God wants to keep doing that in our lives, in our churches. Let's pray for that. We want to learn what Scripture teaches and what Jesus modeled. We want to develop a more consistent, passionate, exciting prayer life. I know if you're like me, there are times in your life where your prayer life is more exciting. God is doing things in your life. And there are other times when the enemy has got a foothold and it's maybe not what it once was. And you wish that it was more exciting. And there's ways that God has for us to come back to a more exciting prayer life. Uh, We want to experience that close walk with God and praying without ceasing and walking in the Spirit. To understand the power of God that is moved by our prayers when we pray in the Spirit. It all starts with God. If we pray on our own, if we just say words, that bounce off the ceiling. It's when God's Spirit comes on us and He prays through us and He burdens us for the lost. Those are the prayers that we've discovered in our own lives, haven't we, that are answered. So when we, we get up off of our knees and we know this is God who just prayed that through me. This isn't me. And that's the kind of prayers that we want to attain to, praying in the Spirit, to experience revival and church growth. If we want to look at history, starting with the early church, when did the power of God move? It's when the church prayed. Look at the model in the book of Acts. They're told to wait in Jerusalem. The Bible records that they were praying. And the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. Peter was in prison. What did they do? They went to Mary's house and they began to pray. We see all through the book of Acts that when there was trouble, God's people prayed. They got together and they prayed. Peter, when they were arrested, got let out of jail. Right away they went into the marketplace. And they went in front of the people and started talking. And then they prayed publicly. God, you know, it it was just a a bold prayer of, of, Lord, work through your servants to declare your message and and through signs and wonders that people might believe. And they weren't afraid to pray even publicly through the name of Jesus. And that's our desire is that how can we as a church get back to a praying church? 
perhaps at the time of the early church, the way it was then, or early stages of our church. Maybe even revivals that took place. I believe in 1948, after World War II, there were revival times in our church when people were more drawn to God with the need of World War II and powerful things were happening. Some key verses that God shared with me to share with you, one of them recited this morning. Underline this in your Bibles if you've brought your Bibles with you. Make it a memory verse. Write this verse down and look it up later. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. The answer is in Scripture. If we want to see God move, it's not going to be through fancy programs. Although God, through the Spirit, moves the hearts of men, and at times there is a new program that God wants in the church. But it's not man's devices. It's not man's ideas. It's got to be God-breathed that's going to make a difference in our churches. We've got to seek His face for what to do. And behind the scenes, there has to be prayer. And if there's something that we've got to turn from. You know, this is pretty strong language here, wicked ways. But any ways that don't please God, in a sense, are wicked. They're not from Him. If there's something in my life that doesn't please God, I've got to be like the Apostle Paul and die to it. To bring captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. If there's a prideful thought, if there's a, a, a lustful thought, if there's a a pride of life thought, if there's whatever thought would enter our minds, we got to die to those. Say, I'm sorry, Father. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me that I can have your power in my life again. I need your power in my life. And God wants us to do that with each other. And now I want to ask a question. It's a a soul-searching question. That's related to the next verse. Confess your faults one to another. Pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. How many of you in the last month could open up with somebody and pray one-on-one or maybe a few more? I want to see a, a show of hands. In the last month that you got together with a brother or a sister or a few of you, and you had a need, and you opened up with each other with that need, and you prayed. Raise your hand. Okay. We got about a third in the last month. Now I'm going to ask in the last week, how many of you did that? Be honest. In the last week, raise your hand. Okay. We don't do it enough. There's maybe seven hands or ten hands that went up. To confess our faults one with another and pray one with another. To be honest with each other. We've got to do that more. If we want to see the power of God released in our life, let's do that more. And as we do it more, we're going to be able to do it with each other. And it shouldn't just be the other person. You know, if they would come to me and Um, tell me their problems, and I'll pray with them, no problem. No, I have to be honest too. 
Because I have struggles too. We all do. I asked a lot of people to pray for me this morning. And I'm sensing God's prayers. Because we all have needs. And there's powerful things that can happen. There's a lot of scripture. I want you to think about some of these. Are there some secrets to prayer? Not really. They're in the Bible. But the enemy would want to keep them secret in our time. The secret to ministry and to effectiveness and power in the church is found in Matthew 6.6. This was Jesus' secret. He's our ultimate model for life and ministry. The praying in secret, where nobody hears what you say. And it's hard to teach about it because it's personal. But the Holy Spirit impressed on me that unless we talk about these things like Jesus taught his disciples, that we're going to miss a key thing that he modeled. What did Jesus do? Let's read this scripture first and then see his pattern. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. We read this about Jesus. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. That's in Mark 1.35. There's tons of verses like this. Luke 5.16, and he withdrew himself into a wilderness and prayed. Mark 6.46, and when he had sent them to, away, he departed into a mountain to pray. We see all kinds of scripture like that. Where is your mountain? Where is my mountain to pray? It doesn't have to be a mountain. Where is my closet to pray? One of the things that God has done with me lately is having had two boys is Stephen, our two-year-old, two and a bit, he likes it when Daddy tucks him in bed, gives him a bottle, so I would lay on the couch with him, put on some music. It slows me down for my busy day. And I put him on my lap. I give him a bottle and I hold it with him. He could drink it by himself on the couch and I could go off and do other things. But it's just become a special time. And I find myself praying for my boy there. And then I take him upstairs to brush his teeth and then tuck him in bed and then he's only two, and he can barely understand words. He's, he said for the first time, about two weeks ago, without me prompting him, he says, Daddy, I love you. And oh, what a, what a precious set of words to come from someone from their heart. And God spoke to me, and he says, Fred, that's what I want you to do in prayer, to come to me and say that you love me. Say that you appreciate the things that I do and thank me for the things that I do. So I began to, to find that the simplest childlike prayer that I can teach Stephen is just a bunch of thank yous. Thank you for mommy and daddy. Thank you for baby Timothy. Thank you that we could go to the park to play today. Thank you that 
Uncle Frank could come and visit today. Thank you with little things that mean something to Stephen. And then afterwards, I tucked him in bed, and I went, and not always, but at times the Spirit came on me and said, Fred, why don't you just kneel by the larger bed in that room? He's in a crib. And just while he's falling asleep, just be in their room with him and pray for him and her family. And I found that it began to rekindle something that I had lost. I've always been a believer in prayer, but there's been seasons in my life where the prayer isn't as much as, much as what it ought to be. And we can get back to hungering for prayer. And it builds. And it builds. And God wants to bless our lives. And there's power in prayer when we agree together. And that's the next verse there. If two shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father. It's a great memory verse, Matthew 18, 19, and 20. And he also promises that he's going to be in our midst when we have a little prayer meeting. Here's a prayer that God recently has been speaking to my heart about. To ask for God's blessing. Don't be afraid to say, oh, that you would bless me. Not for ourselves, not for material things. Bless me that I could bless others. Enlarge my territory. Let's get practical now. I'd just like to ask you a question about territory. When you think of territory, we're going to use the mic a little bit here. What do you think of that are boundaries and borders in your life, territories? What comes to mind? Things that you want enlarged. Enlarge my territory. Margaret. Scope of ministry. ministry. You might be frustrated. Lord, I don't seem to be as effective in, in this ministry. I want to be enlarged in that. Please expand those borders. Other hands I saw. Faith and wisdom. No question about it. Someone said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. You want more faith. Let's just ask. Yeah. Okay. Bless my family. Enlarge the territory of the influence of my family that we can bless others. Okay, any other thoughts back there? Okay, relationships with other people around us. God wants to bless that, and we should come to him and and ask him for that. It'll keep us from harm as we're involved in relationships and building one another up. It's going to keep us from pain and harm. I'm thinking again of uh, that song. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. There is some pain that's external that we can't avoid, but there's a lot of pain that comes our way. And the situation today is that so many of us struggle with this time. We need to start taking a stand against the enemy that has stolen this time. We need to declare war on the fact that less than 5% of believers are praying regularly, meeting together. Well, I'm not talking about personal prayer. We do pray at meals and we pray at night. Often we're guilty of praying too late when we're too tired. 
But if we're talking about powerful prayer, agreeing together in prayer, where husband and wife are, are opening up with each other and praying, where friend to friend are opening up with each other and praying, where brother, brothers that are in need spiritually would get together and pray, prayer meetings in church, prayer meetings in a home, we don't do enough of that. Too many of us are not entering into consistent intercessory prayer for each other. Many of our churches don't have prayer meetings like the early church did. It's a model from the early church. We can't deny that the early church did it. It's in scripture. Maybe we're afraid of something. That's the enemy putting fear in our hearts. We need to become a praying church. How did we get here? I believe that it's our generation that's plagued with this. It's not any one person that's at fault. We're living in prosperous times, and our need level isn't the same. Our dependence on God has diminished. You know, there's so much independent living in our culture in North America. So prayer isn't mentored enough in small groups and in one-on-one settings. I was blessed by a brother, my brother Werner and my sister Margie, who at times did take me under their wing and and said, Fred, let's pray together about this. And they modeled prayer. Then I met missionaries who also modeled prayer. And they put me to shame. Because I saw people like Brother Rex Noy getting up at four in the morning, beseeching God for for needs in the mission. And I found it hard to get up at six o'clock or 6.30. Maybe that's our challenge here at camp and why many don't come to prayer meeting. It's not easy in our culture. But we need to model that. Another thing is lack of testimony in prayer. I believe that God has has laid on my heart that we need to humbly share and give Him the glory for things that He does. Not boasting. Anything that I share this morning, brothers and sisters, believe me, it's because I want God to be glorified and God's people to be hungry for prayer. I want to share another thing that humbled me to the power of prayer that happened just a few weeks ago. I was at work, and I'm going to pretend that this is my cell phone. Got a phone call from a previous customer who now is becoming my customer again. The business that she had worked for had gone out of business. This is a lady that's maybe 55, 60 years old. And Doris called me and uh, told me she's got a new job and her new boss needs a laptop. Many of you know that I'm in the computer business and so I began to provide a price and I couldn't help but think about her boss who I knew was a God-fearing man, a Christian of some sort. And John had lost his business, gone out of business, had to sell everything. I helped liquidate some of the laptops, sell them off cheap and uh, just felt bad for him. Wondered what become of him. And I asked Doris, you know, whatever became of John? She said, oh, Fred, you won't believe it. The company that was supposed to help him out in London, Ontario, they're acting as his friend. But they took him to the cleaners. They just totally took control, legal control of all of his customers. He signed away his life. They wouldn't even let him read the whole document. He wanted to have his lawyers read it over with him. What, don't you trust me? I'm helping you here with your business. They made the guy feel guilty, and he just signed. Turned around. He had signed all control of all assets away. The man was broken. 
three heart attacks, many heart attacks. I got off the phone, and just as I was finishing this call, because I also knew that Doris was, was a God-fearing person, I said, Doris, I'm going to pray for, for all that you've been through and for John. And I got off the phone, and the Holy Spirit right away said, Fred, don't wait till tonight. You pray now. So I, in the middle of a busy day, closed my office door and bowed my head and prayed for John. I just prayed for God's touch in his life, and I didn't know what to pray. The Spirit just helped me to pray for encouragement for him. And then something amazing happened that night. I was putting Stephen to bed, as I was sharing with you. I'd already given him his bottle. I was upstairs. I was brushing his teeth. My cell phone was in my pocket. And all the buttons, of course, were exposed. And I had put Stephen on top of my uh, leg like this. And I'm brushing his teeth, and all of a sudden I'm hearing the phone go, I go, oh no, it's calling somebody. And I couldn't believe it. John Shantz, the man that I just prayed for. God was calling him. He had dialed the number. And right away the Spirit said, answer. So I put the phone to my ear, and he picked up. I said, hello, is this John? Yes, this is Fred Weinhardt. Well, hello, how are you, Fred? And I just began for 10 minutes to encourage this man. And John said towards the end of the conversation, Fred, I'm amazed at this phone call. The timing of your phone call is incredible. It's like a silver lining behind a dark cloud. It's like God is, is speaking and telling me that it's going to be okay. That he's confirming some things in my life. And that he's holding my hand through all of this. The next morning, I got an email from him thanking me again for that phone call. I didn't make it. It was God. You know, I could have, perhaps. How many times did he prompt us, you know, you should call so-and-so. And we, we think, yeah, oh, yeah, we should. And we forget to. But God miraculously dialed that number to show me what was happening on the other end. John told me that the meeting in London, he thought wasn't going to go well. He had a lot of meetings that didn't go well, where they announced what they're doing, and he wasn't very happy. He says, this meeting surprised him. It went well. And he was just so encouraged as he was coming back, and he was sensing God's presence. Brothers and sisters, friends, God answers prayer. And he wants us to be praying more. And so I replied to his email. And I says, you want to know how that happened? The phone was in my pocket. And I got to go left click to get address. And there's three choices there. There's address and, and uh, ad and a few other things like that. Then I got to go right click. And then it gives me a whole list of names. Then I got to go down, 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 down with a down arrow button. And then I got to go talk or send. And then it dials. From a list of many addresses, God dialed that number that day. And it really boosted my faith. And I know you've got experiences like that. And God wants us to be looking at more and more of that. There is so much that he wants to teach us. Our attitudes of prayer, the settings of prayer, the types of prayer by content, the types of answers to prayer, the results... The attitude 
of prayer is one thing that I believe that is the start of it all. If our attitude of prayer is, oh, does God really care? Will he answer me? Does he really answer my prayers? Half the time, I don't think he does. If we don't get a momentum going in prayer, then we're not going to even come to this forum, right? We're not even going to come to prayer meetings. When somebody announces in a church, we're going to have a prayer meeting. How well attended is that usually? Let's be honest. You tell me. You know, ask the group. How well attended is your prayer meetings in your churches? Does any of your churches uh, have a, a prayer meeting? Brother Bob? Not very well. Do you guys have a prayer meeting in Syracuse? Five or six people. You have it right after Bible class? Oh, that's great. See, there's an idea to get God's people praying is tuck it right in after something where everybody's still around. Got 40 people coming? That's great. I'm thrilled to hear that. And that's what we need today, is more and more of God's people calling on Him to pray. And let's be honest in confession. If we haven't been praying, we've got to be honest and say, Lord, I haven't been praying like I should. Help me to pray more. An attitude of praying without ceasing. We're going to discover that as we get in seasons of prayer in our life where we're closer to God, we're going to be praying and it's going to surprise us. We're going to be praying for a stranger that we're in line with. Pull up beside somebody in a car and we start praying for them. Whoa, that surprised me. God, that's you. I haven't done that very much. Praying without ceasing. We're going to find ourselves driving in the car and praying, get up in the morning and praying, praying in the shower Praying in the middle of work, praying without ceasing, is going to be happening. The relationship of faith, we've got to get back to a faith atmosphere. Some people say, why don't we see the kinds of amazing things that the early church saw, or that we hear about on the mission field? Part of it, there's not one answer, part of it is our level of faith, our expectancy. If we begin to expect God for more things things start moving and God begins to show up. And we can begin to have more of a a relationship of faith with God where we believe Him for great things, more passionate in our attitude towards prayer. And we'll hear His voice more clearly. The most wonderful thing as we develop quiet time with God is we hear His voice right away as we ask a question in prayer. We'll hear it back, the still small voice. You might say, well, how, Fred? I don't hear any audible voices coming out of the sky like Jesus heard, this is my beloved son. Well, that's one type of voice, and God does that at times through history. But what does the Bible say about his sheep? My sheep hear my voice. We know that there's a still small voice that speaks. He speaks words of scripture. He speaks, go and talk to so-and-so. Do this, do that, don't do this. One of the things, I'll just give you a very practical example. With this cold, 
my fear was that my throat would give totally out, right? That's my human fear, the flesh speaking. What if total laryngitis sets in one hour before this presentation, right? And a little voice said, Fred, trust me, I will provide. He spoke back. I would say, Lord, why, why do I have this throat thing and this, this cold? My grace is sufficient for me. Trust me, I'll provide. A little voice right away says back. And he talks like that to us when we make time for him. Let's hear his voice more clearly. We need to ask more of the Spirit in our lives. And this is something that God taught me as a believer over the years that I didn't know in the first few years of my conversion, that we can ask for the Holy Spirit. There's a key verse that actually talks about this. If ye thee, or if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? There's a misconception out there that we have the Holy Spirit, why ask again? That is true, that we have the earnest, the down payment of the Holy Spirit. But the Spirit is more than just a down payment. He comes on us with power and anointing and giftings. We hear of gifts of the Spirit. We hear of fruit of the Spirit. When we ask in simple faith to our Father, we don't need to know all of how He does it. When we say, Lord, I need more of Your Holy Spirit... His quantity is the same. He doesn't change in quantity of availability. We change in our pipe thickness, if you will, in how much we open the tap to let him come. Right? Remember the song, Channels only, blessed master, and with all thy wondrous power, flowing through us, thou canst use us every day and every hour. That's what we were praying for when we asked for more of the Holy Spirit. More flowing through me. Father, I need more of your anointing flowing through me. More of your power in my life over sin, for victory over temptation, to walk in the Spirit. I need you, Holy Spirit, in my life. Come, Holy Spirit. We shouldn't be afraid to ask that, to come with mighty power. Invite him personally. The songwriter penned those words. Come, Holy Spirit, dark is the hour. We need your filling, your love, and your mighty power. Move now among us. Fill us, we pray. Come, Holy Spirit, revive the church today. Where are those kind of prayers in our churches? They're not as often as they should be. We need to invite God and be honest with Him that we need Him to revive us. And if we ask for that, he's going to start doing this, this next slide. He's going to start igniting our personal private prayers. If we ask for the Holy Spirit to come, he's going to birth it. It's not going to become by me announcing these three categories. We already know them. You already know them, that there's private prayer, personal secret prayer, that there's small group prayer, and public prayer. We can't just go up and announce there's these three kinds of prayers And then the next week, amazing things happen. But when we ask for God to pour out His Spirit on our churches, it's going to birth prayers in all of these categories. And we've got to keep asking our Father for that. Persist in it. 
in our private prayers, if we begin to do that faithfully, he's going to then spur on small group prayers. Small group prayers spur on private prayers. And there's a cycle going on. Public prayers. Here's another um, example. How many of you in your churches will have this happen? Will a brother lead us in a word of prayer? Silence. Everybody's inspired, right? Within 30 seconds or less. Why not? What do you think? That's definitely part of it. That's our humanity that, that comes. I felt those thoughts. No question about it. But I would want to say that the Lord has laid something on my heart, a truth, that if categories one and two are not strong in our life, we're going to feel embarrassed in category three. It's a symptom. When brothers aren't praying in church, it's a symptom that our families aren't praying enough. That we're not in an attitude and a spirit of prayer enough. And if we begin as a church, as a whole, to be in an attitude of prayer, it's going to come more naturally. It's not me praying. It's the spirit that prays. Brother Bob. Just about experience I had when I was a young Christian. The same brother, Mark, the father, he experienced. And the elder brother, Fred Tiffin, told me that to get over that, get into yourself, into a room... Just pray aloud by yourself and hear your own voice. Sometimes that's frightening in itself. Just hear your own voice in that room. You can overcome that. It really helps. Excellent, Brother Bob. I appreciate that comment so much because I believe that Jesus often would go to the mountain and I'm sure he prayed out loud. The disciples at times were hearing him pray. Many of testimony over the years, even in our denomination or our heritage, we can hear of people who found a private spot to pray. They went to a woods to talk to God out loud. Find that place to meet God where you can talk to Him out loud. And you'll be amazed at how it'll birth in you a different kind of prayer life. Pattern that. Go to a park where no one's around. When you pray in secret, God will hear that. He will give you an anointing in in small groups and in in public events. I believe that if we want a healthy church, we've got to start with this. There's also a lesson that God had taught me about prayer over the years, of different types or kinds of praying. He gave me sort of a prayer parable. We'll call it the temple parable. Do you remember the Old Testament temple. There was a large temple, an outer court where the Gentiles were allowed, but the Gentiles were not allowed inside the temple, only the Jews were. And then there was inside the temple an even holier spot called the Holy of Holies, where only the high priest was allowed to go. 
okay? And prayer can be that way. We can pray kinds of prayers that are noisy, distracted, lots of stuff around us, and there's colliding thoughts in our minds, and we're going to find it difficult. But then there's going to be the kind of prayer that we persist in, and we begin to realize that the noise is fading, and we're just staying on our knees with God. And it's now more focused. We sense that the Spirit is praying more through us. It's definitely the influence of the world is now gone. And it's a wonderful place of prayer, the temple of prayer. But I want to propose to you that throughout history, that men and women have discovered there's one more place of prayer that we can pursue to. And it's the holy of holies of prayer, where God's power and his presence comes. And if we persist with him, if we wrestle for a blessing, We will push through, as it were, into the Holy of Holies. And we will meet God. And some of you have experienced this. Where you find yourself weeping before the King. Where you find yourself transformed as you get up off of your knees. Where you find yourself a different person. The way you see the whole world is different when you get off your knees. And you know that God was in that place. Powerful things were spoken through your words, but you knew it wasn't you you knew that the Spirit was bringing words and thoughts to your heart and your mind. And you got to find a place. We all have to find a place. And I have to more often. And I'll confess to you that I've experienced that and too often I don't go back. Too often I've missed that wonderful experience again. There's different kinds of prayers that we know about And we don't need to spend a lot of time in the aspect of worship and honor, um, thanksgiving and praise, the petition type of praise, all these categories. But let's not be forgetting when we start our prayers to give glory to the King, to honor Him in our prayers, to start off by thanking Him. God, You are awesome. You're so awesome with what You do in our lives. Thank You for what You've done. To praise Him before we begin our petitions and then intercede for others. And we know about asking for fleeces and doors to be opened and healing-related prayers. And God doesn't always heal. But we shouldn't be afraid to ask because we know that sometimes He chooses not to. We should come to Him, especially if the Spirit is prompting us to ask for healing. And then we should say like Jesus said, Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Many of us in Kitchener not too long ago prayed for healing for Brother Octavian Baranka. He's a young man, a young brother, 37 years old. He reminded me of my brother-in-law, John Bauman, who my sister Esther married, who also at 37 years old the Lord took home. And both of these many people had prayed for. But God chose to take him home. But our prayers are more than just for healing for this earth. Sometimes God says, I'm going to heal him. I really am. But it's not going to be your way. I'm going to give him the ultimate healing. I'm going to give him a new body. He's going to come with me to my house. And so the Lord took Octavian home. 
and it broke our hearts in one way, but we knew that God was doing something in our church. He was making us more of a praying church. We could all sense that. There's no question about it. He was drawing us together as a people of God. We looked at eternity and how limited our life is, and that could be me, that could be you, that he takes home early. We should number our days and make our time count for eternity. We need to be in prayer more for each other. Pray for the salvation of people. Do inventory. We touched on this verse earlier. That's verse 13. If, uh, our hev- or if we're earthly fathers know how to give good gifts, how much more will our heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask? We need to ask for this. Ask for his fruit, his gifts, his empowerment in our lives. The answers may be yes. It may be no. It may be slow. It's easy to remember that. Or wait. Wait on me. It might not be when you think. And that's the hardest, isn't it? What do we struggle with? I want to just open up one more time for a discussion. What do we struggle with when the answer is slow or wait? It almost seems like it's no, right? Okay, just watching for something to happen, waiting. Other thoughts? What happens when we're waiting? Pardon? Yeah. It's a test of our faith. Lord, is it that I don't believe enough? Is that why it's not a yes yet? Is that why I'm not out of my situation yet? But it might be my timing isn't quite right. I have a a plan. I know that that was my case for marriage. I had prayed so many times that God would give me a special partner. And the answer didn't come, and it didn't come. Sometimes I thought I knew the answer, and that wasn't the answer. And one day the answer came, and I was 38 years old. And it, it birthed in me a test of faith, no question about it, some really tough times of waiting on God and remaining pure in a tough world where there's a lot of temptation. But it wasn't easy. And I know that many of you perhaps right now are struggling with something. It's not easy. But God has an answer for it. And there's reasons. By the way, these handouts we will make available. I'll print them off later go into town and, and get some printouts of these with some of these scriptures and, and make it available on a table downstairs in the lunchroom. The Lord just prompted me several times as I was preparing this to print this PowerPoint off. But there's so many different reasons why at times answers aren't the way we expect. James talks about you have not because you ask not. Sometimes we don't have a healing because we didn't ask for a healing. We just said Whatever. And we never really boldly came before the throne of grace. Sometimes we ask lightly. Sometimes we don't ask according to God's will. It wasn't the Spirit asking, it was the flesh in us asking. James 4.3, you ask amiss. It's not God's timing. We know that God has timing and a will. 
and that all things work together for good for them that love God. And that God has a plan sometimes. There's many other scriptures that talk about timing. But we don't always see the good right away. And there's sometimes not enough faith. James 1, 6. You know, let him ask and not wavering. Someone who wavers is not going to get anything, James basically says, paraphrased. Don't expect an answer if you're flip-flopping on whether you believe God can do this. Come to him. Ask for faith if you need more. Your prayers might be hindered and my prayers might be hindered by sin. If there's something wrong in our life with our brother, our sister, something we've said or done, something that is in our hearts that we're harboring, we've got to let it go. We've got to confess to him. Here's one that our culture is not very good at, and I'll admit I'm not as good at it either. Some prayer won't get answered until we attach fasting. Jesus said, This kind goeth out not but by prayer and fasting. There's certain victories that we can't enter into except we would enter it into with fastings, with getting serious with God, denying food in our body. It somehow opens up the spirits flowing through us. It clears our minds, our spirit. It allows us to very clearly hear from God. You know what it's like when you have a big meal. Your, your brain is more clouded. And there's something about fasting that, that's part of that, and there's more. There's just, it's a way of honoring God and, and getting serious with God. And sometimes you need more than one person praying. It's just how God works. Is sometimes you need two agree. Sometimes he wants greater glory. And uh, he'll do something. The, the prayer answer that I shared last night about Timothy waking up at four in the morning, Martha and I had prayed. It wasn't until we shared it with our prayer meeting group that God released his power. And Timothy began to sleep through the night, never since. God received greater glory, a greater testimony of his power. Sometimes he has a desire that people hear testimony of answered prayer. And that's what he wants. The results, as we close, they're powerful and effective. We heard some of the, the testimony today, and, and you have experiences too that you could share. The next time that a brother asks you to share an experience, don't let the enemy steal that. Share it because you want to give God glory. And ask for a spirit of humility as you share it. But give God glory for the great things that he's done. People get saved. Amazing events. God touches lives. It encourages even more prayer. A powerful testimony of his love and his care for us. God wants us to testify this. And we need to pray for revival. One of the things that the Holy Spirit told me is we can't end a forum on prayer without praying. That'd be a sin. To talk about the theory and not do it in practice. We need to ask for him to revive a spirit of prayer as we finish. And my prayer is that we would enter into spiritual warfare to see the battle raging right now. There's a battle raging for leaders in our churches. There's a battle raging for the fathers, for young men, women, middle-aged, 
for unbelievers, for the souls of men. In the spirit realm, there's a battle. We all know that it exists. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but spiritual to the bringing down of strongholds, we read in the scriptures. Let's enter into that with prayer and believe God for powerful things. Let's believe that as we pray together, it's not me the asker or you the asker that has the power. It's the God of heaven that as we pray together right now, that is able to touch our churches and revive us in a spirit of prayer. And that prayer will birth other power to be released in our midst. The, the, the things that we need in our churches in our time. Let's pray that we would meet regularly with someone. And pray that God would give us the courage to publicly thank Him and open up testimony in our church. I believe that one of the things that God wants is that our churches get back to a time would brother have a greeting or an announcement or a testimony. The Spirit has laid that on my heart. Would the brother have a, a greeting, an announcement, or a testimony of God's power? And you pray and only share when God would put something on one's heart. Obviously, leadership can work with that and, and, and share with the church how it should be something that the Lord has really laid on your heart. But let's become a church that gives him glory for what he's doing in our midst. Encourage prayer at all levels. Let's pray that we become a, church, a praying church at all levels. Will you do that with me right now? Bow your heads and join me in prayer as we pray for our church. Our Father and our God, we thank you for the opportunity this morning to come together to learn from your Holy Spirit about prayer. And you've been speaking to each of our hearts about this subject. And we ask, Father, for a revival of prayer in our hearts, in our families, in our churches, in our communities. Help us to be like the early church who got together in homes to pray, that prayed for needs like Peter in prison and the famine in Jerusalem and for many, many other needs, the persecution that they experienced. Father, for the widows that needed attending. Lord, we know that we have all of these needs today. Help us to be like the early church, to be a praying church. Forgive us, Father. We confess to you that there are too many times in our life where we don't pray like we ought to. And we ask, Father, for forgiveness and for an honesty before thee. Help us to be transparent and honest and to ask you more often for the power of your spirit to pray like we ought to pray. Help us to enter into spiritual warfare. Father, we ask that you would help us to meet regularly with a prayer partner. For some of us, that might be our spouse. For others, it might be a best friend, a close friend, someone that we trust spiritually. Father, help us to do that when we're here at camp and as we go home. Lord, if there's someone here at camp that you want us to pray with in the remaining time, help us to be sensitive to your spirit and to make ourselves available. And when we get home, that we would seek one another out and confess our faults one to one another and pray with one another. Father, help us to believe that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman availeth much. We thank you for promises like that. And we ask, Father, that we could have the courage to give testimony of your power 
as the early church would often speak of your wonders and that your psalms talk about declare his wondrous works among the people. Father, we pray that we could take that to heart and that we would give more time for sharing of your works. We thank you, Father, that you've encouraged us to pray at all levels. And we pray that we would not be forgetful hearers this morning. Father, help each one of us to seek your face privately and then as you would go into small groups with it and into our public prayers, Father, we pray that we could be a praying church. Birth that in us, that in the years to come, we will know that you are an awesome God. We have seen your power in the past. You've been faithful, Father. We thank you for your great faithfulness. We pray all of this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.